Welcome to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour, bringing you honest talk, even when it bites. Now, here are your hosts, the founders of DogsInDanger.com, Alex Alexanian and Brenda Bush, on AM 970, The Apple. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Three times, three times cheers to all the people that joined us today on this gorgeous Sunday after um, a fairly horrendous week of storms in New York. Uh, especially, what was it, Thursday? Uh, my goodness. I mean, there was more rain that came down than I've seen in a long time. But it is gorgeous. It's beautiful. And the Dogs in Danger radio hours live on the air in WNYM in New York, hopefully reaching the, the 20 million population that this station reaches. And today's topic is the no-kill movement. And to have that discussion, I have with me my co-host and uh, partner in crime, Brenda Bush. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back from last week. Enjoying a beautiful day here in New York. And not in the studio, I may say, not even though studio. I can't see some windows out there. And through the windows, I do see a sky somewhere. And Jonathan, <laughs> our call screener. Yes, thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, we're going to talk about the no-kill movement today, which is, a, which is obviously a hot topic for everyone. And that's what this show is all about, right? And before we do that, let's just mention our call-in line for anyone who wants to call and talk to any of our guests or talk to us uh, about the no-kill movement. The number is 866-970-9622. We also always try uh, to follow our Facebook page uh, during the radio show, sometimes do a better job of that than others. But you can also uh, chime in with us there, and that is facebook.com forward slash dogs in danger. Terrific. Thanks very much for that update, Brenda. And uh, looking at a couple of housekeeping items, we always talk about the PSA, the infinitely long, <laughs> never completed PSA. Okay, well, folks, uh, I keep saying that it's finished, but it really is done. Uh, we are just absolutely excited to show this to everyone that cares about animals For and animal For anyone that rights. doesn't know, we're going to tell them that that's a public service announcement. That is, that so is true. So we're trying to true. raise awareness of, uh, of this issue with the public. That is true. There is a special effect at the end of the 60-second uh, PSA that is being worked on right now. Which and, Alex uh, is not going to give away. No, we're not going to give it away, uh-huh. but everybody will see the special effect right. at the end. And that's, what is, uh, that's what's happening right now. Uh, plans are that the PSA will go on the air the day after Election Day. That's the right. plan right now. So between the holidays, Election Day and holidays, you should see the Dogs in Danger public service announcement. Right. And if you hear teeth shattering right now, it's because I am so, so scared <laughs> of all the media money we're going to spend on this. Yeah. And we have no idea if people are going to come out of the woodwork and support this organization and the efforts of this organization. Because, yeah. you know, we've seen some great things and we've seen some pretty lousy things happen around us. And, uh, you know, there's no guarantee that people are going to come out and uh, people are going to to support us, as I said. And if not, uh, we're going to have well, some trouble. I with, think we made a real compelling money. case in this PSA. So I, I we just can't agree. we'd have it on the air right now, but we just can't compete with the, uh, the the politicians that are airing all their media campaigns right now. So we're going to wait until after Election Day. Absolutely. And one last note before I introduce our first guest. And he is a uh, very important guest. Um, but before I introduce him, this, this thing came across the news wires, and I just had to mention it. Uh, David Yoder pleaded guilty. This is in Romulus, New York. David Yoder pleaded guilty to 74 counts of illegal destruction of animals. He, David, an Amish breeder, gassed 93 dogs, 93 dogs, 78 adult dogs, and 15 puppies in a makeshift carbon monoxide gas chamber. And for this, he paid the total of $505. 
93 dogs were gassed in a, in a, by he just threw them in there and gassed them and uh, he was he paid a fine of $505 and uh, this got to me I said to Brenda I usually don't talk about nasty stuff I usually don't talk about how nasty human beings can be but this one I just got to put up there and um, so people say oh Alex why are you make you know why are you making such a big deal of this um, you know Rwanda AIDS we've seen horrible starving babies on TV you know what we do these things to each other okay we do these things as a society Whatever faulty mechanisms we have, we do these things to each other. We, I believe, I believe, we will never advance as a society without learning a key lesson that protecting the weak and the innocent makes the rest of us strong. I think that's what Gandhi was saying far more eloquently than I possibly can. But I have to tell you, it's sort of sometimes you read something on the news wires that just goes right to your belly, and this was one of them. So... Yeah, and it was whatever a, it's worth. It was a particularly um, barbaric method that was used to to kill these dogs. Um, by the way, um, the USDA um, had recommended that these this breeder um, euthanize uh, his dogs um, because there was uh, some possibility of illness. But anyway, uh, anyone who wants to research more on that. Um, Feel free to do so. Um, but it was buried in the USDA report and became quite an issue uh, here in New York and across the country. What a lot of people don't know is that gas, cha- gas cha- chambers uh, are used across the country at a lot of shelters. So that'll be a topic for another show. We're going to bring on our guest now, Nathan Winograd. Nathan Winograd is uh, an author, an animal advocate, an attorney in California. He's creator of many successful no-kill programs, and he's also the executive director of the National no Kill Advocacy Center, and uh, he's quite a he's known a commodity in the animal rights. Long list of accomplishments to read through, including uh, the former executive director of the Tompkins County SPCA here in New York, where he uh, successfully created a, um, a no kill uh, shelter. So we're going to talk to Nathan Let's as soon as Nathan we hit on. the right button on the. Nathan, are you on? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Absolutely, Nathan. How are you? How's California? Uh, it's a little overcast, not quite the storms you guys had uh, last week, but uh, I'm happy to be on with you. Great. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Uh, Nathan, uh, starting with the, the 35,000-foot level, you and I know each other for a little bit of time now, and, and we're great admirers of your writing and your work and your thinking, uh, but I think our audience may not be uh, as up-to-date on, on, on what the story is. So why don't you tell us... Just what is the no-kill movement? Uh, well, it's it's you know it's an exciting movement. It's a revolution that is taking place in communities all over the country. In fact, all over the world, and it is essentially uh, trying to break with the last hundred years of how we have done sheltering in the United States. Uh, you know, since the 19th century, essentially, we've created this, this uh, regressive draconian model of adopting a precious few animals and then putting to death the remainder. Uh, and for, for years, long past that, you know, there's an argument uh, of, uh, you know, numbers, but long past where spay-neuter put us in a position where uh, we, we, in fact, can adopt our way out of killing the large national organizations and shelters nationwide were, were so uh, fixed, were, were so rigid in terms of how they did things that any innovation was seen uh, as threatening and they fought it. Uh, well, the good news is uh, initially starting with San Francisco back in the mid-1990s, but since that time, communities all over the United States have proved that we can do better. And by better, uh, we can end the killing of those animals uh, that are healthy or treatable. Uh, put another way, uh, what the no-kill movement at this time in history is aiming for is to end the killing for all but 
irremediably suffering animals, uh, hopelessly ill or injured animals, and for a very, very, very small percentage of dogs, those who are truly vicious with a poor prognosis. But for 95% of the animals that come into shelters that don't fit those very limited uh, categories, the no-kill movement says we owe it to them to give them more than, than the euphemism which get, we've given them, which is uh, you know a humane death. We owe them life, that shelters should be uh, temporary way stations for animals to find loving new homes, and in more and more communities, that's exactly what we're doing. And you wouldn't think we need a movement for that, but apparently we do. Well, it, here, here's the irony. We, uh, the organizations that should be leading the charge, the organizations that, uh, you, you know, as their mission, uh, claim that they are uh, about raising the status of animals in society, about, uh, you know, calling into question our relationships with animals and asking us to do better, are, are actually the ones that have made the movement to save lives, which the no-kill represents, controversial. So right now in the United States, uh, you know, saving lives in this movement is controversial. Uh, but the good news is, uh, you know, one of the uh, the ironic things, uh, Brendan Alex, is that in many social movements, uh, we have to uh, to capture the hearts and minds of the citizens. We have to tell them we can do better. Uh, that our, our relationships uh, should be about something uh, loftier and about something more progressive. Uh, the good news in, in the no-kill movement is that we don't have to do that. Uh, you know, Americans are crazy about uh, their dogs and cats and other companion animals. Uh, they uh, want uh, the killing to come to an end. Uh, our job is simply to lift the fog uh, of misinformation that has been peddled for too long by the large national organizations. Uh, so we already have the hearts and minds of the citizens, which means uh, our job will be that much easier than uh, other social movements ha have had to uh, address. Well, Nathan, uh, a quick question as a side, and, and we're going to have to cut in, in a second to Brenda, but um, is this a movement that's it's a, it's a groundswell movement, so from the bottom up, or is it a movement that's being pulled up from the top by a few leaders such as yourself that's trying to drag along a population that's, is, uh, that's not in the same uh, you know, same space. It's a it's a great question, Alex. Uh, you, you know, uh, I would say it's a a bit of a combination of both. Uh, in terms of bottom up, it truly is a grassroots movement. If you if you just look, you, you know, do a Google search, uh, you know, no kill community city council, you'll see this issue is being raised at the local level all over the country. And in many of those cases, I have nothing to do with it. Uh, it really is being driven by local citizens who love animals and want the killing to come to an end. Uh, it, it's top-down in the standpoint, uh, you know, of my work uh, trying to reform the institutions uh, that should be no-kill's biggest cheerleaders and most ardent defenders. So from, from that standpoint, it's really a top-down movement with people like myself and others trying to reform the organizations uh, that stand in its way. But from the standpoint of, uh, you know, who wants the killing to, to, to come to an end, who's fighting for the killing to come to an end, that really is is your average animal lover and your local activists uh, in communities all across the country. Wow. Wow. Nathan, we're going we're gonna to have to cut. Uh, as you can see, the music is coming up. We're going to cut for a break. We'll be right back with Nathan Winograd on the Dogs Endangered Radio Hour. More of the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour is on the way 
on AM 970, The Apple. When we first started thinking about dogs in danger, we had one overriding thought. Millions of innocent dogs were being killed in shelters each year in this country. And we realized there was no way for the public to know just which dogs were going to die and when. That's when the light bulb went on. So we created DogsInDanger.com, where every dog gets a last chance at life. The good public embraced the idea, and 40,000 dogs are alive today, bringing joy to families and children everywhere. In today's economy, it's hard for anyone to part with their money. But Dogs in Danger need your help to keep saving lives. If you believe like we do that needless killing is morally wrong, then do something about it. Please go to DogsInDanger.com and make a tax-deductible donation. Just $18 per month will help us continue our life-saving mission. Donate to DogsInDanger.com and do something good for your soul. Barkable Radio, the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on AM 970, The Apple. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Well, we're back from station break, and we have Nathan Winograd, noted author and um, and speak, spokesperson for the No Kill Movement. That that is the subject of the day, the No Kill Movement. And but before we go back to Nathan, I'm going to turn it over to Brenda for the dog of the day. Yeah, our first uh, on every show, as you guys know, we uh, we feature two dogs from the Dogs in Danger website that are in need of homes. First one today is from City of Hartford, Connecticut Animal Shelter. And it just breaks my heart when these dogs don't even get names in the shelter. But his number is number 200 in the shelter. That's the name of the dog. Yeah. Number 200. And, um, I think he looks like a little Henry to me, but I don't can know. His adopter that? can decide 200, that. come over here. 200, jump on my... You know. And um, he's about one year old, eight pounds. He's a chihuahua. Um, they're saying chihuahua mix. He's absolutely adorable. And... Uh, it says, very sweet boy, but scares easily. He likes to be picked up. He's friendly once he knows you. He's great on leash. He's good with cats that he met at the shelter. And uh, you can help this dog by contacting Sherry at the City of Hartford Animal Shelter. And there's an email address and also a phone number that's listed um, on our Radio Hour webpage. It's 860-757-4395, and you can find that on our website or just by searching California oh, for please. dogs on Dogs in Danger yeah. website. You have please. to go to the website and see his picture. Yeah. Really, a can picture you imagine is worth a name a like words. 200? Jeez. 200 each your dinner now. He is just an adorable little thing. Look at yeah, that face. Absolutely. Well, um, pulling away from that moment, yes. I'm going to turn it back to our guest du jour or the hour, Nathan Winograd. Nathan, we're back with you. Are you there? I'm here, Alex. Actually, listening to you talk about uh, number 200, it, you know, you know, it's a tragedy on a couple of levels. You know, one by not giving him a name, there's, there's, you know, this idea that his life doesn't matter, that he's exactly. not, he's not an individual, he's not a unique personality, uh, you know, who, who's worthy. But you have to ask the question: How, how does a community like Reno, Nevada, go from 4,000 adoptions a year to almost 10,000 in one year? Uh, and they did it by, by giving the animals names by telling their story by reaching out to the community and asking for their help right. Right. and that seems you make it personal which yeah. is part of the success of dogs in right. danger that we've made it personal and that's that's what people have to really identify with that, that the value in these lives and recognize them for the individual personalities that they are which and, and which leads me perfectly right Brendan I think what most people would find shocking is that shelters across the country aren't already doing those things. Right. Right, right. And, and Nathan, tell us a little bit about what has the movement accomplished. I mean, the movement is how many years old, would you say, if you had to put a t- number out there? Well, well,
Well, you know, for a very long time, the the uh, you know the idea uh, being pushed by these uh, large national uh, humane organizations was that saving lives was uh, impossible. In fact, uh, you know, in in my first book, Redemption, I I uh, talk about a quote uh, attributed to the late Roger Karras, who was the head of the uh, ASPCA. He said this while he was a vice president for the Humane Society of the United States. He said, "Saving lives is so impossible that it's not worthy of a passing daydream." I mean, that is the defeatist mentality that the no-kill movement has had to challenge. Uh, I would put it's, uh, you know, the game-changing Rubicon, when, when we really uh, crossed the point of no return, was uh, the mid-1990s, and actually 1994 in San Francisco, uh, when that city became the first uh, in the country uh, to uh, put in place a life-saving guarantee for all healthy homeless dogs and cats that entered any shelter in San Francisco. And so all of a sudden, uh, what was hypothetical became real in the fourth largest city uh, in our country's most populous state. And since that time, uh, other uh, communities have surpassed even San Francisco's rate of life saving by saving, as we talked about at the beginning of the hour, uh, animals who will also come in sick, injured, unweaned, traumatized, but are savable uh, with uh, veterinary care, with surgery, with uh, medicine, with TLC, with rehabilitation. And so uh, if you put the standpoint, you, you know, the, the starting point in 1994 when San Francisco created the model and proved uh, that we can do better uh, than than, than a, a quick death for most of these animals. Uh, our movement's about 15 years old, uh, and so it's relatively young as far as social movements go, but we have accomplished so much in so little time. How do you, how do you measure this accomplishment? Can you tell us a little bit about what the measuring stick is? Well, well for you, for, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, we want from from a global standpoint, we want to look at the total number of animals uh, saved versus killed. You know, 20 years ago, uh, our country was killing about 17 plus million dogs and cats uh, uh, every single year. Wow. Uh, we are down uh, to four million. From that standpoint, we've come a long way. From where we are now, looking forward, obviously, four million uh, is still a huge four million number. too many. Yeah, uh, way too many. Uh, but we have ended, uh, you know, uh, population control killing. We have ended using killing as a tool to manage shelter populations uh, in in communities in California and New York and Kansas and Indiana uh, and Virginia and Utah and Nevada uh, and other places. And the exciting thing is, it's it's jumped, you know, jumped the ocean, and we now have no kill communities in New Zealand and Australia and Canada, uh, and it's just continuing to grow. Uh, what, what I find incredibly uh, exciting, in addition to all that great success, uh, is that if you look at the actual numbers, you know, what will it take to end the killing uh, of those last, you know, four, four million uh, animals? And the answer is actually not so much. Uh, we just have to increase uh, the percentage of people of, of our market share, you know, the number of animals out in the community uh, in this country that come from shelters by just about three percentage points, and we will zero out the killing. Uh, wow. So that's that's very doable, and it means we've got to stop calling these dogs number 200 right. uh, and start right. giving them names, uh, telling their stories, and reaching for help. Because if, if we've learned anything uh, in those communities that have been successful, Alex, right. is that we do good things for animals, 
we tell people about it, we ask for their help, and they respond overwhelmingly. Right, right. So who's against this? I mean, this seems another one of those no-nonsense, you know, uh, one of those logical things that nobody's, you know, for killing the animals. So who's really against it? What's stopping it from moving forward uh, more rapidly? (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, here's the irony. If you were to poll people on the street, if you were, you know, after you're done with your uh, program today, you know, and you're walking home or taking the subway or however you get home, and you were to stop random people on the street and say to them, uh, you know, would you support the, uh, you know, if we stop the killing of animals in shelters, if we could do it now, uh, if it was cost effective, uh, would you support it? You won't find a single person that would say no. Right, exactly. Uh, Because you're right, uh, Alex, it's a no-brainer. It's a common sense kind of it. We have the the, the uh, ability to stop the killing, uh, and we can do it uh, virtually overnight. Why aren't we? Well, that's really where the tragedy comes in, because uh, the people that are supposed to be our friends are actually the ones that are standing in the way. Uh, we have uh, a, a movement where the large national organizations have to be brought uh, into the modern era of no-kill kicking and screaming, uh, because they, uh, you know, these are people. Uh, you know, the heads of groups like the ASPCA, the heads of groups uh, like the Humane Society of the United States, the heads of groups like the American Humane Association uh, started their careers in killing shelters. And when, you know, at a time before the no-kill movement uh, uh, really came into its own. Uh, and, you know, let's take them at face value. Uh, you, you know, I, I have serious reservations about that, but let's say uh, they firmly believe that we have no choice but to kill. You know, they've taken that at that time when they were in those killing shelters. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that's true, but let's just say for the sake of argument, they felt they had no other choice. You know, they have moved into a new organization, which is supposed to have a different mission. They're supposed to push for innovation. Uh, they're supposed to push for modernization. They're supposed to constantly question whether we can do better uh, and force shelters to do better, but they don't because they came from those killing organizations. They brought that same mindset to these uh, new organizations, and now they're holding back progress. And it begs the question, if you're going to be a leader in this field, shouldn't you stay up to date with uh, uh, trends in sheltering? Shouldn't you be following uh, the success of communities across the country? Um, I used to work uh, at the San Francisco SPCA. You know, back in 1999, we were the safest community for homeless animals in the United States. Uh, And you would think that the shelter directors and the leaders of these large national organizations, seeing as how San Francisco was the most successful community in the nation. Alex and Brenda, if you were a homeless dog, Mm -hmm. San Francisco was where you wanted to be. Well, I'm not a homeless dog, but I'm still thinking about going to San Francisco. There are some days Alex might be a homeless dog. Yeah, okay. But but you would think that they would come to San Francisco and say, hey, what are you doing that most communities are not so that we can bring back that successful model to these other communities so that we can end the killing uh, of dogs, uh, cats, and other animals uh, in our own communities. But they didn't. Instead, they denigrated it and attacked it and uh, tried to isolate it. And so right now, you know, standing in the way of a no-kill nation, standing in the way of the will of 100 million Americans who cherish uh, animals and would do uh, anything and everything uh, to, to help an animal, uh, companion animal in need, 
standing in the way of our success are about 3,500 shelter directors mired in their regressive philosophies, legitimized and protected by the uh, million-dollar organizations uh, that uh, are in, uh, were, were empowered, were, were founded to actually save animals in need. Uh, how many times have we heard that? Entrenched, the powers that be, entrenched in their own mire and, um, and almost impossible to move out. Not and impossible. yet the task, yet the task is there for the people to note. do it. We have about two minutes left with you, Nathan. Even so we less. want to, We have one more question. Yes. Left. Uh, well, you Nathan, I want to finish. The, we have even less than that. So, Nathan, in one minute or less, you got to tell me, what would you like your legacy to be? Um, if, if my legacy, well, uh, what I would like to see and what I believe I'll see in my lifetime uh, is less a legacy after I'm gone and, and something very exciting, uh, and that is the achievement of, of a no-kill nation. I mean, I believe uh, that uh, in one generation we are going to go from being the, uh, the generation that, that questioned the killing, uh, the generation that figured out how to stop the killing, uh, and most exciting of all, the, gener- the generation that does. So I, I am uh, very excited that uh, I was there uh, at the beginning of the movement. I am doing my part, as are many others, uh, to push the movement along. Uh, and before I lay my head down for the last time, I'm going to see that movement reach its goals. And that is so terribly exciting because it will mean, uh, you know, Alex and Brenda, of the four million dogs and cats we kill uh, every year in shelters, that about 3.6, 3.7 million will still be walking uh, around this earth. You're a good man, Nathan Winograd, and uh, I'm proud to be on your team, my friend. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us today. Um, I hope to have you back on again to talk about all of these issues in the very near future, Nathan. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. More of the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour is on the way on AM 970, The Apple. The News, AM 970, The Apple. 61 degrees under partly cloudy skies in New York City. A busy evening for police. They were called to 128th Street early this morning where they found a 17-year-old girl lying in the street with a gunshot wound to her back. She was rushed to Harlem Hospital where she was pronounced dead on arrival. A short time later, police came upon another person who was shot at East 126th Street between Park and Lexington. The victim had been shot in the thigh, but he is expected to recover. No arrests have been made, and police have not said whether the two shootings are connected. A man was hit and killed by a car late last night on the Major Deegan near 140th Street. Police say the unidentified 44-year-old man was found on the road unresponsive with severe trauma to his body. He died at the scene of the accident. Police say the driver who hit the man has not been charged. The investigation is ongoing. And cops are investigating the death uh, last night of a man in Columbus Park. Police say they found the unidentified 58-year-old lying unresponsive on the ground of the downtown park last Sunday. He had a cut to his head. He was rushed to Bellevue Hospital where he was pronounced dead on arrival. Taking a look at the roads right now, George Washington Bridge, not bad as you head into town. Both decks, both directions looking good. Lincoln Tunnel is going to cost you about 20 minutes heading into town. Holland Tunnel is about a 10-minute wait for you. Ramp delays on the Major Deegan trying to get onto the Cross Bronx Expressway. That is all volume. And if you're on the Whitestone Bridge, do look out. It's actually the Whitestone Expressway northbound ramp to the bridge. A lane is going to be blocked off if you're heading into Queens. 
In sports, it's the Jets leading the Buffalo Bills 7 to nothing. Yankees are in Boston today. The Mets just underway at City Field against the Washington Nationals. And tonight, the Giants will host the Chicago Bears. Your weather forecast, partly sunny today, a high 65. Tonight, partly cloudy, low 52. Tomorrow, clouds with rain, a high of 60. AM 970, the Apple is New York City's fastest-growing talk radio station. Check out Curtis Lee one Monday morning on your drive to work and find out why. I am Bill Powers on the Talk of New York on AM 970, the Apple. Need a car to the airport? Limo service for the day? 12 cars for a roadshow? Interboroughs. Two-way radio car has served New York's best companies and on-the-go travelers 24-7 for more than 40 years. They'll get you there lickety-split anywhere within the tri-state region and beyond. Interborough gets you there safely and on time. They'll accept all major credit cards. Their fleet of more than 300 Lincoln Town Cars and other fine vehicles is at your immediate service by calling 718-845-1111. That's 718-845-1111. And for those very special occasions or critical travel times, ask their operators about Interborough's Platinum Service. A top-shelf, five-star level of pampering for you or your clients. With Platinum Service, your car is guaranteed to be there on time under any conditions. Ask for the sales department to open your personal or corporate account. That's 718-845-1111. Ask for the sales department. Call them again at 718-845-1111. And tell them you heard about them on AM 970 The Apple. Tired of that old sound? Please consider donating that old car to the Goodness Group, a metro area fully recognized 501c3 charity. Call 1-800-227-7777 and make a difference in the lives of children with special needs. For your caring donation, you'll receive a tax-deductible receipt and a seven-night hotel getaway to your choice of fabulous destinations. Call 1-800-227-7777 and the Goodness Group makes it easy. Can't use a deduction right now and prefer cash for your old car? An independent auto recycling company will pick up your car and give you cash in your hand, and they'll make a small donation to the Goodness Group. The choice is yours. Receive a tax-deductible receipt for this year and a seven-day hotel getaway or cash to recycle. Call the Goodness Group at 1-800-227-7777. That's 1-800-227-7777. Throw your friend a bone. It's more of the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on AM 970, The Apple. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Well, we're, be- we're back from uh, network network break, Brenda. What a discussion with Nathan, huh? Yeah, he's an amazing man, isn't he? Really he really is. Yeah, he's life and soul into this. And I love his writing, I have to yeah. tell you. You know, he's Very one of the most writer. eloquent writers. Uh, if people don't really know Nathan's writing, uh, you owe it you to yourself. You have to read his writing, yeah. yeah. It's really First of all, great, you've got to read his book. A great his mind and a great writer. Yeah, we have. he has two books, um, Redemption and Irre- Irre- Irreconcilable Differences. Um, and um, both of them, there's links to them on the um, Radio Hour uh, page on our website. Right. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more at the end of the show about Nathan um, and some of his accomplishments and, and his goals. But let's bring on our second guest now who uh, will be speaking about this same issue. Let's punch him in. And our second guest is George Morris, the founder of No Kill Nation on Facebook. Facebook is all the rage today. If, if anybody's seen the movie, that's that's also all the rage called the, the Social Network. Right. Uh, it's about the founding of Facebook. Well, they have um, a Facebook page, but they also have a website, the No Kill Right. Is George, are you on with us? Yes, I am, Alex. Hello, Hi, George. George. 
Hi, thank, thank you. Before, before I say anything, I, I'd really like to congratulate you guys uh, for being a big part of our no-kill movement and the life-saving work that you've been doing for a while. We've been a fan of yours for, for a while now, and that's kind of the important thing that some of the important things that need to be done is what you're doing. Thank you, George. Thank you. We're trying. You know, we're trying our best. Uh, it's tough to find the, the clearing for, through the trees. You know how that feels, right, when, <laughs> when you're on the other side of the trees. But, uh, but we're trying. We're honest. We're sincerely. We're, there's no money in this thing. It's all about the heart. And yes, uh, we do the best we can as, as, as you're doing your part. We do our part. Um, let me ask you something, George. When did you conceive of No Kill Nation uh, on, the, on Facebook specifically and, and, and the website? Well, what happened is a few of us, not only myself, uh, a few of us read, as you've been mentioning, of course, read Nathan's first book, Redemption. Uh, and we saw need to, to do something about it as well. You talked with Nathan about uh, from the bottom up and from the top down. Well, he does more of the top down and inspiring and teaching a lot of people that this uh, this movement uh, will can and will be a success. Well, we decided to play our part in uh, from the bottom up, uh, so to speak, with a, with a grassroots effort. And again, as you speak of, of the social media, uh, we feel that the regular media hasn't done enough or very little, in fact, in some cases worked against the no-kill movement by promoting some of these old ideas that Nathan speaks about, some of these large organizations, and their, their voice has been heard, uh, and their bad news, as I call it, that nothing can be done. Uh, we feel, of course, that that's, nothing, that's far from the truth, and we feel most people, uh, as you spoke earlier, believe that uh, animals, homeless, uh, innocent homeless animals should not be killed uh, uh, at, our, at our nation's shelters. Mm-hmm. And so when we read his book and we saw that there, that there is a way, that there is a better way, uh, he has a no-kill equation, which he didn't speak about, uh, that, that, and there are shelters that follow that no-kill equation that have been successful. And all we're trying to do is get the word out to everyone uh, and uh, let the public know that there is a better way. And we've been, I, I, I like to say, pretty successful. Oh, we started so. it um, less than a year ago, and um, we have about 80,000 or more followers. And uh, they're very passionate, very active followers, and uh, as passionate as we are. So um, that's, so how, that's how we started, and that's where we want, we want to move forward. Well, it's interesting, George, that you bring up the same point that I think we left off with Nathan. And let me ask you this question. Do you see that there is a line in the sand, and on one side of it, is the no-kill movement with people like yourself and Nathan and a grassroots movement. And on the other side is the ASPCA, HSUS, and um, I don't know where you, where you would, Peter, I guess you put it on the line someplace. But do you feel that there is a line there and it's a hard line and the parties are just battling it out? for I don't even understand for what reason, but does it exist? Is that scenario accurate? Yeah, I believe it is somewhat accurate. I think a lot of it has to do with um, and we run up against this all the time. Many of the shelter directors have been doing this, have been doing it a certain way, have been adopting a few, and like he says, killing the rest. And it's hard to tell people that some of these people have been at 5, 10, 20 years. A lot of them, I think it's unfortunately human nature, they're not going to say, okay, you have these, these new ideas, this is what we can do. Uh, we've been wrong all this time. I think they're going to fight that. They're going to try as a um, uh, uh, Suzanne Kogut, the, the Charlottesville head of the SPCA, which is a no-kill open admission shelter, I heard her once say that a lot of these people, it's more about being right 
than doing what's right. And, and, and that's what they're more interested in. They're trying to prove mm-hmm. something uh, that, that isn't true, but they've been doing it for so long uh, that it's, a, it's, it's, it's their common interest. And that's what the hardest part, I believe. And, uh, but, it's, but it's happening because we're showing that, that compassionate, hardworking shelter directors in this country are doing it. And, and, it, and it is. I'm not going to say it's, it's, it's easy. Uh, it's, it's hard work, but it's not, you know, it's, it's just having a will to do it. Uh, and, what, and that's what we're trying to do is show everyone. I think once people out there know, uh, it's, it's going to be a bottom up from that end, and they're going to have to change. Wow. I, I completely agree with you, George, that, uh, that it's the modus operandi of, of 25, 30 years of uh, business as usual. And government doesn't really care, it seems to me, th- that much. Government will go either way. So therefore, the influence of the large organizations and the powers that are in the shelters currently, the boots on the ground, inside of the shelters, if they point to the left, government will follow their lead. If they point to the right, they'll follow their lead. Government is kind of sitting in the middle saying, Show us which way you want us to go, folks. Come on. And they inadvertently look at the major organizations that have the money and that have the 125 years of, of history behind them. And so here's this grassroots movement that I believe that government gives it, you know, not enough of the attention that it deserves. Do you feel this is true? Yeah, absolutely. And it's unfortunate. But if, if I may have a, a moment, I could tell you, you had a guest on last week, Ryan Clinton, who's one of the uh, inspirational leaders of our movement in Austin, Texas. He'd been working on this for, I believe, going on five years, and that's a perfect example how how the public and people like him, leaders like him, turned the government around. They had a shelter director promoted by uh, one of the large organizations, the SPCA, who fought them tooth and nail, to, which I believe to, to justify killing these innocent animals. He and, 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 and people like him in Austin didn't accept that, fought it, and changed, changed the argument, changed the debate to the point where the politicians uh, joined in eventually and, and just not, a few months back voted 6 to 0, the city commission, to mandate no-kill for Austin, Texas. This is the first city to do that, but we know it's not going to be the last. As long as people speak up for the animals and, and, and passionately tell our story, we have, the, we have the positive story. They have the excuses. We feel that we, we have the solutions. And, and those politicians will follow. You're right. The government will go either way. Mm-hmm. But if the people force the issue, and that's our intention, and we know we're going to succeed in that, all of us, um, that's going to change. It'll change in, in different cities. Sometimes it'll change from within with compassionate shelter directors, but if not, uh, we'll have to change it from, from, from without. And that's mm-hmm. what he did there, and, and that's what we hope that'll start to happen in other cities. And people on our, on our Facebook page are just as combat. We have an we have people that are saying we're going out there speaking to the directors, seeing, telling them how it's being done in other places, and they're going to have to listen because our movement is going to continue to grow. We're not going away, as I told one shelter director. They're used to people complaining, but we are not going away. Good for you. Well, here's a reality check. Okay, I'm going to go through a couple of numbers, George. Okay. PETA has uh, 822,000 members or people following on Facebook. Uh, ASPCA has 524,000, HSUS has 385,000, and Oprah has 3 million followers. Mm-hmm. No Kill Nation, a site that, uh, that is a site that you run, has 81,000. Now, the okay. question I have for you is, 
how much of a grassroots movement is this when these associations have orders of magnitude greater than uh, No Kill Nation? Well, well, first let me say, I mean, that, that is true, of course. But some of these, when you really think about it, we're, uh, we started this, a few of us, one night, uh, and it just started growing. And we've been, it's less than 11 months. And we don't, one thing that you need to know about Facebook is a lot of these groups, you can, and they tell us, you can pay advertising, basically to buy fans. Mm. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, you can you can buy. And I, again, I'm not saying how much they're doing. I don't know that, but I know that most big uh, organizations do that, and it's and it's understandable. They want to get the word out. There's nothing wrong with that. But we've done it totally word of mouth, day to day. We grow about 200 a day, every day, sometimes more. Um, and we're just and we're we're just recent. I mean, some of these people had these numbers when we had zero their numbers. Mm. So oh, that's a good point. We, we're 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 going to get up there in numbers. Uh, trust me, we will. And plus the fact that a lot of the people, unfortunately, assume that HSUS, ASPCA, even PETA, which kills 97% of the dogs and cats that come into their hands, 97, an organization that believes all pit bulls should be killed. Uh, this this. This cannot be considered compassion. This is not mm-hmm. kindness. Killing these innocent animals is immoral, and now we know is unnecessary. Unfortunately, many people tend to trust these organizations. They see these commercials that tug at their heartstrings with the beautiful music and, 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 and showing, and they're raising money on dogs dying, uh, or, or, or they say dogs suffering. But, but as I say, what good is it when you get this media attention and you show these dogs? Whenever we have a dog that's saved from a flood, uh, as it was happened in California, and a fireman saves him, the dog, the, the, the fireman becomes a hero, and this animal, of course, is adopted. But in the media, no one says, or these organizations don't say, that very same day in that very city, at least 100 dogs, perfectly healthy, good companion animals, were killed. Mm-hmm. Not euthanized, which a word that they like to use, which is a misuse of the English language. You cannot, by dictionary definition, euthanize a healthy companion animal. Exactly. <laughs> they use these euphemisms. They're not put to sleep. They're yeah. never going to wake up again. But they, that's what they've done to the public. They've convinced the public that they're doing the kind thing. And as Nathan says, the public is on our side. Some, Many of them don't know it yet because they haven't had a chance to hear our side. Well, we're trying to get that word out there as this movement sweeps the country. You know, we had uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had Francis Batista of uh, Best Friends on. Um, and founder, one of the founders. One of the founders, yes. Yeah. And, um, and and we had an interesting discussion with him. And, and one of the things that uh, he told us, which neither, neither of us knew, is that the requirements in Germany, for example, to kill one dog... Uh, it takes about five people, including veterinarians and the shelter director and the owner, if there is one, it, it, in order to approve the killing of just one animal in that country. And so um, the question to you is, do you think that it's going to take that kind of legislation in this country to um, to really make a difference? Or are we going to be able to do it just with the social movement alone? Well, I think the social movement is going to have an effect, just the awareness factor will have an effect on some of these people in some of these cities and a lot of, and there, there, there's going to be leaders who will make a difference. But yeah, legislation is needed. Legislation was passed um, in Delaware this year to make it more difficult to, 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 to kill these animals. And I think that's also going to be part of the, I think they work together. The social movement, I think a lot of times 
the public forces the politicians to start making changes. And when they see that there's a big groundswell of people that, have, that say enough is enough, that we cannot continue killing these innocent, loving animals uh, just out of convenience. It is convenience killing. They'll tell you, they'll give you a million reasons. I, I can tell you, I've personally been in, a shelter, been in shelters where one individual, uh, just particularly the dog moves a different way, and they'll, and they'll say, well, that one's being killed. It's just yeah. un unbelievable yeah. Where, yeah. where just one person who's not even the director or anything, who's not a veterinarian, who's not a behaviorist in any way, just chooses life and death. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's just to us, to us, unacceptable, and we will not accept that. You know what it takes, George, more than anything else? I think it just takes people to care about this exactly. issue. That people just have to, inside of their bellies, as I said at the beginning of the show, they have to care about these issues. And you know what I hear from a lot of my friends, uh, because they know I'm pa fairly passionate about this issue, you know what I hear from most of my friends is that there are so much, there's so much misery. Life is misery. You know, Dostoevsky said it. Um, and there's so much misery. Why should we concentrate on this little piece when we see just see you know just abysmal actions all well, over the world? If I may say one last thing, as my wife has told me many times, all, all the animals that we've had have done so much. I feel done so much more for us than we actually do for them. We're a country of animal lovers, and I know that they like to blame these organizations, like to, to what they call the irresponsible public, and they like to bash. They, they love to raise money from these people, but they bash and they say, it's not our fault, we're doing the, the, uh, uh, the people's, uh, the public's dirty work. Uh, but these animals have such a special place in our culture and our society that, you know, George, I'm going to have to More cut. of the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour is on the way on AM 970, The Apple. Dogs in Danger is an award-winning charity that has turned the animal world on its head. It's the last chance for dogs waiting on death row in shelters across the country. They tell the public what dog is where and how many days they have before being killed. Then, caring people like you go and save the poor dog and bam, you have a new best friend and a happy family. Dogs in Danger has done this over 40,000 times in just two and a half years. Wow. Now you can help Dogs in Danger spread the word and save even more lives. Your donation is 100% tax deductible. So what are you waiting for? Go to dogsindanger.com and click the donate button. Just $18 a month will make them reach farther and help end the killing of our furry friends www.dogsindanger.com Then click donate and do something good for your soul. The Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. Honest talk, even when it bites. On AM 970, The Apple. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Wow, that hour just flew by, yeah, Brenda. And really we are apologize to George Morris. Uh, George, sorry about that, but you know, it's a computer here. And the computer decides that uh, you've had enough and just shuts you down. <laughs> and there's nothing I can do about it, believe it or not. <laughs> but we'll, we'll have lots more discussions on this topic for sure. And, you know, I mean, one of the things that, you know, we're, we're often debating is whether or not um, legislation is going to be necessary. Uh, and and we, we're both of the opinion that, of course, it is. And all great social movements in this country at some point culminated in legislative change. So I think that movement is sweeping the country and the time is now. And if the legislators haven't heard it, they're going to hear it loud and clear uh, this election, among other things. 
Well, it, you know, I listening to this conversation, and of course, uh, we know Nathan well, and uh, George, we just met. Um, it, it just starts making me think, Brenda, more and more about uh, do people really care about this issue, and uh, are they going to do something about it, or is this something that we get to when we fix all of the other malaise that affects the human being? I mean, do we have to cure cancer? Do we have to fix uh, Africa's problems? Um, does AIDS have to be eliminated? Um, does hunger in the world and, and, and maybe famine has to be eliminated before we look well, turn our attention to never, these weak... All of those things will, will, will never, of course, happen before we can give attention to the animals that have inherent value without us assigning value to them. Well, but, and, but again, you know, that's something that you and I are saying. I mean, I'm going at a higher level here at the, the 35, let's say 35,000 feet you're level. You're saying people won't pay attention to this issue until the greater human issues are solved? That's well, it seems that way in many, in many ways. I it seems not. that way to me, and it's very I choose scary. Not to, I choose not you know? to live in that world. Of course, the human issues are very important, but you can't ignore can't ignore uh, the animals as well. And it reminds me of this, this quote that I, I had written down for today, which is the, uh, the Albert Schweitzer quote, until he extends a circle of compassion to include all living things, man will not himself find peace. So I think, uh, you know, uh, quite the contrary, I think it's necessary for us to pay attention to the most helpless if we intend to solve any of the other greater problems. No, I, I, problems. I, I agree, and, and I just hope that it's not wishful thinking. Obviously, I agree since I'm sitting in this chair talking into yeah. this microphone on a Sunday, but I have to tell you, I, I'm not really convinced that, uh, that the people— I, I, I'm convinced that leaders such as George and Nathan— are people that can lead us out of this morass. I'm just not convinced that the general public is prepared to take this issue as a substantial moral issue. This is something that they consider to be as important as some of the other more humane or more human issues that face us, okay? After all, these are animals. These animals are very weak. They're completely dependent upon ourselves. Okay, they cannot vote. They cannot speak back. They can do nothing. We have total 100 percent control over these animals. And when have human beings shown kindness, true kindness to the weak? That is the perplexing question that bothers me. And well, that's where greatness comes from. Right. I mean, this is moment of truth in our society, perhaps. Exactly. And when I hear great people such as Nathan talk about his dreams, you know, it's interesting. You know, I asked him a very interesting question. I thought, uh, what would you like your legacy to be? I mean, that answer can go 17 different ways. And his answer was, I don't want a legacy. Now, that's not one of the 17. That's off the charts kind of an answer. Okay. He said, I don't want a legacy. All I want to know is the last time I closed my eyes in my life, I know that I have contributed to the ending of the killing of these innocent animals that right. we take into our homes. So I thought uh, that's, pretty, uh, that's pretty grand, Mr. That's pretty Winograd. profound stuff, yeah. So That's why we're here. That's why we're here. But again, the questions remain. And with that thought, I think we should shoot over to our next and last uh, dogs in danger, our dog in need of your help, folks. dog of the day, yeah, uh, in, need, in need of a home is at the Delano, California Animal Shelter. They have a lot of dogs go through that shelter. We've, we've mentioned that shelter before. And um, Shepherd Mix, she's a beautiful dog. She's about one year old. Um, Shepherd Terrier Mix, they're saying it's hard to tell. Crazy about people, love all the attention I can get. Love to play and run around. I'm really fast and I like to show off. Good with other dogs, okay with most cats. Um, and uh, if you can help, contact That's Delano two California Animal. dogs today. Please look no, at the, the dogs other was in Connecticut, oh, opposite was Connecticut. sides of the country. Sorry. I'm just taken over by emotion. What can I say? We're going to be breaking again for commercial. We'll be right back, folks. Don't leave. Don't go anywhere.
More of the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour is on the way on AM 970, The Apple. I'm Brenda Bush, co-founder of Dogs in Danger. For those of us who live with these special creatures, we understand that they're so much more than just dogs. They're faithful companions to the end. They remind us every day that life is precious and brief, full of fleeting joys and missed opportunities. Each year in this country, millions of homeless dogs are killed in shelters. There is a better way, and Dogs in Danger is working to get us there. It's the last chance for these dogs. Dogs in Danger makes it personal, with names and faces of dogs on death row, and brings us all face-to-face with a painful reality. More than 40,000 dogs have been saved with the assistance of Dogs in Danger, but we still have a long way to go. So please, open your heart and wallet to one of the thousands of dogs waiting for a second chance at life. Visit dogsindanger.com and click Donate to help us stop the needless killing of our best friends. Do it now, before they run out of time. No fleas on us. The Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on AM 970, The Apple. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Well, we're, we're back on the air, and I have to announce something. The Dogs in Danger website apparently has gone down uh, due to uh, incredible traffic hitting the website. That's the first time uh, the ID has been down in a long time that yeah, I know of. Yeah, and it was fine right before the radio show, so we can only assume that it was uh, all the traffic hitting the website. So, And I apologize if you're not getting the over-the-air signal. I apologize that you're, you may not be getting it uh, live on Dogs in Danger. Of course, they um, wouldn't hear you to say that if yeah, they're not getting exactly. it live. But the podcast will be available, so uh, anyone who wants to listen after the show, oh. the podcast will be uh, uploaded usually by the day after the show. We have that up. And we apologize again. Next yeah. week's show is another humdinger of a show coming up. Folks, it's breed bans or breed-specific legislation. If you, for those of you that are listening and don't know what breed bans are, it's the kind of thing that you say, okay, pit bull's not allowed in the state of Colorado. If you have a pit bull, we take it and we kill it. Um, that is a controversial – those are laws that actually have passed. They're in major states and cities around the country, and we're going to talk to some of the leaders in that movement. Uh, but besides that, I want to announce something else here, Brenda, and that we're going to let our audience, and I'm, I'm, I'm not happy that the, the DID site's down because people can't hear it um, through the simulcast, but we're going to let the audience pick the topic of the show for the 17th of October. That's two weeks hence. Right. And before everyone just throws at us a million topics, we are going to put up two or three topics and let people vote on it um, as to what the show will be for, what date is that going to be? For the 17th, the 17th. it's going to be, but we're going to right. put it up today. Okay, we're going to put it up tonight on Facebook. So go to facebook.com slash dogs in danger. Okay, and look at and you'll see that we're going to put up three different topics. Whoever gets whichever topic gets the most votes is going to be the subject for the 17th. But next week, we're going to be talking about breed bands. Okay? Yeah, it's a hot topic in this country, and uh, they've been successful in implementing breed bands in, uh, in many parts, some uh, horrible con- unintended consequences uh, in those areas. And we're going to talk to people all about um, what it's done in those areas where they've implemented them and some of those areas where they're still fighting for them. Yeah, Brenda, we're getting phone calls from people now calling the station line and uh, informing us that the website is down and the live yeah. stream is down. And we apologize. There's really nothing we can do about it right now. We will talk to our systems engineering people after this. Um, just so much traffic came to the website. A lot of people are listening. Shot. Yeah, a lot of people listen live through the streaming, uh, the simulcast, because they're across the country. Obviously, they can't yeah. hear it here in the New York area. So, so <laughs> we we apologize. We'll try to do better next time around. But now, folks, remember the seventeenth. You get a chance to pick the subject, the subject that we're going to be discussing. Okay, we're going to put right. up three different subjects. 
It'll be up tonight, and it'll stay up until Wednesday, this coming up Wednesday, okay? On Wednesday, we're going to be taking it off. So go to facebook.com slash dogs in danger, and then you'll see the posting there and click whichever subject you'd like to hear on the 17th, and we'll get the guests. We'll do all the legwork, and hopefully we'll make it a fun show again. Sometimes these topics are not so much fun. (laughs) How to save a life. How to save a life. Well, folks, that's what it's all about, and it's time for us to... Say bit adieu again for another week. Thanks we'll see you guys us. next week. Sorry for the website being down. We will fix it. Apologies and uh, lots of love. We'll be back next week. Bye.